Welcome once again to Alger Assembly of God, and we welcome you to the week of Thanksgiving. Now, those of you who are worshiping with us in person, this is the Sunday before, four days before Thanksgiving. If you're watching online, Facebook, or YouTube channel, it's going to be airing the Sunday after Thanksgiving. But either way, it's Thanksgiving time. And a little bit earlier in the service, we asked you to kind of connect one with another and let each one know what you're most thankful for or most looking forward to for Thanksgiving. So let me just see, how many of you said no school? Okay, some of you said yeah, no school, uh, teachers and students, thankful for that. How many of you said just time with family? You're, you're just glad to be together with some family, bunch of hands, okay. How many of you, uh, your answer was food-related? So, it, yes, yes, I, I knew we'd get a bunch of hands. Some of you, it's turkey, it's, you know, stra uh, stuffing or dressing. How many, this just popped in. How many of you call it stuffing? How many of you call it dressing? Both hands in the air, you just say it's good stuff, okay? So whatever it is, a bunch of you were, you know, it was food-related, family-related, football-related, no school-related. It is Thanksgiving. But here's the thing. In our day and age and culture, as we're getting ready to be thankful, we live in a culture, and certainly here in America, we are among some of the most blessed and prosperous people who have ever lived. That doesn't mean you individually are the most blessed or prosperous people or person who has ever lived. Certainly, we look at some individuals as billionaires and say, I'm not like that. But as a whole, and particularly here in the United States, we are among the most blessed and prosperous people who have ever lived. You take a look at people past or present, we have a lot to be thankful for, yet many are not always thankful would you agree with that? It seems like we have seemingly more than ever before, and yet it's never enough. It's never enough. Greg Easterbrook writes this. He says, life expectancy has nearly doubled in the past century and continues to increase. Wouldn't that be something to be thankful for? The opportunity to live a longer life as the average life expectancy. It says our standard of living has risen to levels our great-grandparents couldn't have imagined. Now, in the midst of that, certainly there's challenges as cost of living has increased and a lot of inflation has increased. In the midst of all of that, we are thankful for blessings that are experienced. He also writes this, for most of our history, the average home had one room for every two people. Today, there are typically two rooms for every one person. By any measure of affluence, healthcare, leisure, technology, etc., the average American enjoys a quality of life beyond anyone's wildest dreams even a number of decades ago. It says, we have more of everything except, of course, happiness. We seemingly have more of everything, but not more of happiness. It says, the percentage of Americans who would call themselves happy has not changed since the 1950s. 
But the percentage of those describing themselves as very happy is down and continues to decline. During that same time period, the percentage of Americans and Europeans who suffer a bout of depression has climbed and shows no signs of letting up. So while seemingly we have more and more and more than ever before as a culture and as a society, we are less happy and more depressed. Interesting. Many people face life with a sense of dread rather than with a sense of thanksgiving, even though that holiday is coming up. The story is told of two old friends who bumped into one another on the street one day. One of them looked sad and forlorn, almost on the verge of tears. So his friend asked, What has the world done to you, my friend? And this sad fellow said, in the midst of tears, Let me tell you. Three weeks ago, he said, My boss wrote me a check for $2,000 as a bonus. His friend said, That's quite a blessing. Yeah, the man said, you don't understand, though. Two weeks ago, I received a check in the mail from the IRS for $10,000 for overpaid taxes. The man is, boy, his friend is just incredibly stunned. He says, wow, it sure sounds like you've been doubly blessed. But the sad, crying man says, but you still don't understand, he interrupted. Last week, Publisher's Clearinghouse showed up at my door. And they handed me one of those giant checks for a quarter of a million dollars. Now his friend was incredibly confused. He said, well, after all of these three things, he said, why in the world are you so glum, so sad, so down and discouraged? And the man said, well, you don't understand. This week, I got nothing. Nothing, he said. In the midst of that, it's the trouble sometimes with receiving something on such a regular basis, being so blessed that eventually we can come to expect it. We can come to expect it. Even in the midst of plenty, many times we're unwilling to thank anyone for anything. So how do we become thankful? Full. How do we become full of thanks? How do we have our tank filled up to be thankful? How do we keep from becoming ungrateful? It's challenging. How do we keep from becoming hardened to our many blessings? It's challenging. How do we seek to live with a heart full of thanksgiving and not just during the week of thanksgiving? I think we've got to have a change of focus. So this morning, let's take a look at several ways, hopefully you and I, the week of Thanksgiving or otherwise, we can live thankful. First of all, let me encourage us to focus on contentment. Focus on contentment. In other words, change our focus from what we don't have to what we do have. That can be a big challenge for us, right? We can be often so focused on the stuff we don't have because oh, commercialization is big, right? Again, we are not yet to Thanksgiving as we record this service. 
And yet many of you are already sick of Christmas commercials. I mean, they started, some of them maybe even before Halloween, but I, I tell you, in earnest, the day after, it was full-blown commercialization of Christmas. Every commercial seems to have Santa, Mrs. Claus, an elf, a sleigh, a reindeer, a tree, a gift, or snow. Am I wrong? That's pretty much it. Stores are crammed with the latest of everything, and guess what? Everybody's got a sale. You and I are bombarded with sales. Black Friday starts earlier and earlier and earlier. I, I feel, I feel kind of like an old-timer, but how many of you remember when Black Friday sales were on um, Friday? They called it Black Friday, and that was the, the sales time, and the stores opened up on Friday, and that was this, this incredible time, all these sales to get people to come in, and, and they began to go earlier and earlier. Well, let's, let's open up the stores at 6 a.m. before normal. Let's get a few extra hours. People flocked to the stores. So what do they do? They bumped it back a little bit earlier. Let's do midnight of Thanksgiving. Guess what? People showed up in droves at midnight for deals. Well, if they showed up at midnight, they'd probably show up at 11 or 10 or 9 or 8. Or Matter of fact, let's just have the stores open on Thanksgiving. And then beyond that, let's, let's do more than Black Friday and Thanksgiving. Let's have a Black Friday week. And it's almost turned into a Black Friday or a sales month. There are stores, you've seen them. There are certain deals on certain days or the first week of the month. You can get deals this week not available on Black Friday. So they want to get you to come in earlier and earlier and earlier, not just Black Friday, not just on Thanksgiving Day, not just the week of or the week before, but literally the entire month. And we've got to even push it later, right? How many of you, like me, can remember when there was no such thing as Cyber Monday? Cyber Monday. It's the Monday after Black Friday, which is the Friday after Thanksgiving. So let's just call it Cyber Monday, and let's make sure everybody can order online with even more deals on the Monday, following the Friday, following the Thursday, following the month of... November. I mean, it's deal after deal after deal. Why? Because businesses don't want you and they don't want me to be content with what we have. And so there's that challenge for you and I to be thankful. It, it's really hard to do when we're always focused on what we don't have rather than on what we do. Certainly, Years upon years, there's been the, the catalogs. More and more of it is online now, but you remember some of the physical catalogs, and, and some of them still do it. They'll print it out, and it'll arrive in the mailbox, and you can flip through all the deals or ads or sales. I remember a number of years ago, both of our girlies were little. I remember we got the Walmart ad. The Walmart circular, and, and there's a, a big, huge section, of course, for toys, right? 
And our girlies were looking through it, and they're flipping page after page, and they're pointing and circling. I mean, it was incredible. They wanted stuff they had no idea even existed. Now we laugh. <laughs> you and I do the same thing, too. <gasps> oh, I want that. No, I need that. Had no idea that such a thing existed, but now we want it. Our life is not complete if we don't have one of these on page 17. Plus, it's on sale. Everything's better on sale, whether we needed it or not, right? Everything is about more and more and more. They want to convince us our life is not complete if we don't have this. It's the challenge to be content with what we have versus what we don't have. Every commercial promises to make your life incredible. I mean, even when it comes to insurance, they're, they're trying to make it so fun, right? Every item is a must-have. You've got to have this. Somehow we've kind of lost touch with the concept of contentment. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says this, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now this is an interesting scripture, don't you think? Because we quote this scripture a lot. We just tend to quote the last part of the verse. God said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. And we say, amen, praise the Lord, I believe it. He's quoting from Deuteronomy and quoting from the book of Joshua where, where God himself said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. And so we say, yes, Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. God's with me in all things. We don't quite repeat, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content. We don't see too many people saying, praise God, I'm going to keep what I have. Amen, I don't want anything else. We tend to not quote that first part of the verse. Be content with what we have. That's one of the big keys for us to develop a life of thanksgiving, to be thankful, is change that perspective. Focusing on what we have and not what we don't. Because we always have the desire to have something else, right? I mean, for me as a kid, it was cassette tapes. Those watching or listening online, Google a cassette tape. Cassette tape, the little portable cassette that you would put into a Walkman. Google Walkman. Google Boombox. You would put the cassette tape in your Walkman or your boombox and listen to music. I'd go to the mall with mom and dad, and I'd go to the Christian bookstore, and they had demos. One tape that they opened up from the cellophane, and you could listen to it before you bought it. Oh, and that's what I did. I'd, I'd go and I'd listen to all kinds of Christian music, and one would rise to the top, and oh, it would be the one I had to have. And I might shovel snow, I might mow grass, I might get birthday money, whatever the case might be. I had to get money to get that cassette tape. And then I would go into the store, 
pay my money, get my cassette tape, put it in my Walkman, crank the volume on my boom box until I wore that tape out. Sometimes literally, but most of the times figuratively, right? You play it so much, it's really not that cool or special anymore. And about that time, oh, guess what? I'd found another tape I just had to have. And so pretty soon, my life would be complete if only I could purchase this tape. And that last, lasted for a while, and then it became CDs, tape or CD or otherwise, the fact was this, as soon as I got one tape, as soon as I got one CD, and I thought, this is the most awesome Christian album ever, there was always something else I wanted. And it's that way to this day, technology-wise. Oh, we got to have new and latest and greatest. I mean, in January of this year, I, I got a new iPhone. I, I'd had my old iPhone for about four or five years. So in January, I got a 13 Pro Max. And that was, that was just a couple months, two, three months after it came out. I thought, man, this is awesome. Guess what? Two months ago, they released the 14s. So what was so awesome is already outdated. And now I'm going to keep this for another two, three, four, five years. There's always seemingly something you and I don't have, and we want it. It could be technology, it could be a, a cassette, article of clothing, sports equipment, you name it. We always want something we don't have. Paul says this in 1 Timothy 6, 6, godliness with contentment is great gain. Both of these verses are encouraging us to be and live content. It's hard to live that life of godliness when we're never content with what we already have. Now we look at others in our life, our world, our cultures, and we say, how in the world can they make it? Maybe you've been to Amish country. Maybe you've visited for the day, maybe you've stayed the night, maybe you've toured an Amish home, and some of you, you think, wow, this is really neat or really special, they've got some really good food. Others of you are thinking, how in the world do they make it when they don't have the stuff we have? I mean, how would you get by without something like this? How would you get by without a cassette tape? Look at some of the other cultures of our society. As I've shared, been a number of years ago, but going to Tanzania, the, the eyes are open to see how the blessings we have and how so many other people live, church world included. Looking at the blessings here in a smaller rural community of Alger and the blessing of this facility in comparison to many that I had seen, in Tanzania. It's all that about perspective, true? And so authors here, both in Hebrews and Paul in 1 Timothy, are saying, focus on the contentment. Shift the focus from what we don't have and focus on what we really do have. 
the old hymn of the church says, count your blessings, name them. That sounds like a good exercise for today. That sounds like a good exercise for this week. How about literally naming off, shouting out, speaking up, writing down your blessings? God, I am thankful for. When we pause to do that and reflect on what we're thankful for, it kind of gets our minds and our hearts off of what we don't have and focusing on what we do. God, I'm thankful for how you've blessed me. I'm counting this blessing and this blessing and this blessing. God, you are a good God. So first of all, the challenge is, what will you and I focus on? What we are already blessed with or what we don't have? I think to have that thankful heart Let's focus on what we do have. Focus on contentment. Secondly, a second thing to focus on here is blessing. Now, I say blessing, and some of you, your ears perked up. What I mean by that is this. Let's focus on how to be a blessing, not just how to receive one. Because we can often have our eyes and ears and attention on what we can receive. Gimme, gimme, bless me, bless me. Now, we do receive many benefits and many blessings in Christ Jesus. And some people seem to only come to him in order to receive blessings. But we don't come to Christ simply to say, here's all you can do for me. We say, God, how can I be a blessing. How can you use me to be a blessing to others? It's moving from the getting to the giving. Now, we've all heard the phrase, it is more blessed to give than we know the phrase. We have trouble living it out. Because how many of you just love to receive? I mean, who doesn't love to open up a gift? So we say, oh, it's more blessed to give than receive. I just hope I get to receive a lot. That, that's, that's kind of what's in our hearts. If we're being honest, we, we like the giving, but we also like the receiving part. Commercials are good. Because in the midst of all of these things that we are to buy and encourage others, uh, you, you notice there's a number of commercials, that the increase in that over these last number of years, commercials about buying yourself. A gift. I've noticed a handful more and more and more. It's not just about buy this for somebody else. It's go to the store and make sure, well, you deserve something too. It's about, in a sense, blessing ourselves. And it's more interesting in the fact that the more we have, the less grateful we can often be. And the more we have, the more we tend to want to keep everything for ourselves. You look at culture, you look at society, uh, sports, athletes, musical artists, actors and actresses. I mean, it's amazing when you watch a professional athlete who, who's playing a game. Now, it is their job, but they play a game that many of us might play on the basketball court or out in the yard. And they get paid to play a game, sometimes hundreds of thousands or in most cases, millions of dollars a year, 
complaining about how underpaid they are, right? It's that quarterback or that wide receiver. They're making $10 million, but they should be making 15, they say. Or the one making 15 wants a raise to 20 million. And, and we look at that and we say, oh, I can't. Can you believe those ungrateful people? And then we look at some of us and maybe you're making 10 bucks an hour saying, well, I really should be making 12. $12 an hour. Well, I really ought to be making 15. 15 should be 20. 20 should be 30. 30 should be 40. 30, 40,000 really need to be making 50. 50,000 should be making 75. 75 should be 100. 100 says I just can't make it unless I've got 200. It's always what? Just a little more. Just a little more. And so it's that, that issue with contentment, but it's also the issue with what can be done to bless me. I want more and more and more. Everywhere we go, we want more and more and more. I mean, we can go to the dollar store. You've been to the dollar store. You need one simple item at the... Okay, two simple items. Well, uh, three. Yes, it's a trap. You need one or two or three items at the dollar store, and you walk out with a cart full, and you spent 30 bucks. Or invariably, what, what happened in... Earlier years, Kimmy being home with the girls, you might say, hey, on your way home from church, we'd just stop at the store and pick up, and she'd give me like one thing or two things. Bread, milk, an extra frozen pizza, whatever. On my way through to get that item, I'd find stuff on sale. Some really cool ice cream. Or an extra pack of cookies. I mean, you know, she'd send me to get one or two things, and I'd come back with one or two bags. You've done it too. It's the desires like, oh, we always want more and more and more. It's, it's bless me. But having more stuff doesn't make us feel fulfilled and have a purpose in life. It's being surrendered to God and his will, not being self-centered. It's being a blessing, not receiving the blessing. Here's what Jesus himself said, Mark chapter 10, verse 43 to 45. He said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave or servant of all. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. If there is anyone who could have said, serve me, bless me, it would be Jesus, son of God, creator of the universe, and yet he came not to be served, but to serve. He came to give. He came to be a blessing. He died in your place. He died in my place. Serving others is a way to help get our minds off of us. Now, Thanksgiving season, Christmas season, you know, these seasons of life are certainly a big opportunity to be a blessing to others in some respect. 
family or friends or neighbors or otherwise. But the challenge is we often are so focused on the blessing that we'll get that many times we overlook the blessing that we could be. So to be thankful, let's let's focus on blessing others. In fact, Colossians chapter 3, 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you are serving. Whatever it is that we do, we're doing it for the Lord. There's a lot of opportunities for service, a lot of opportunities to be a blessing, not just here in the church and in ministries and in various opportunities in the church, but in our community and families and our local areas. To be thankful, let's focus on contentment. Let's focus on blessing. And finally, let's focus on eternity. Eternity. Our focus many times is on the here and now. It's on earth. It's on what we are doing, what we are living, what we've got. In the midst of this life, in the midst of this earth, there are a lot of difficulties that are faced. You can go down the line from physical, financial, relational, in the midst of political, in the midst of disasters, natural disasters in our world. If the world is all we have and all we see are issues and difficulties and troubles, then there oftentimes seems to be a reason for despair. But we serve a God who has overcome the world. We serve a God who is above all things, preparing a place for us in heaven. There is a future and there is a hope found in Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews mentions some heroes who endured suffering because of their faithfulness. It says that the world was not good to them and many of their needs and hopes were unfulfilled. Hebrews 11, verse 13 and verse 16, we read this. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Longing for a better country. They were focused on the heavenly country, focused on eternity. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. He's prepared a city for them. Their focus was on something in the future. There was more than something here on earth. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, we're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Outwardly, we're wasting away. Inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Listen to what he says. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. What is seen is temporal. What is unseen is eternal. 
It's hard for us. It's hard for us to focus on what we have rather than what we don't have. It's hard for us to focus on being a blessing and not just receiving a blessing. And it's often hard for you and I to focus on the future, on eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ when we're facing and dealing with and living with the difficulties and struggles of life here on earth. We say, I don't have what this person has. I don't have what that person has. And we're always looking at and focusing on the here and now rather than eternity. To be truly thankful, let's focus not just on the earth, not just on the things of this life, but God, would you help me to think about and focus on life with you eternally? Change our focus to eternity. Certainly there's more ways from Scripture, but there's a handful of thoughts. This week of Thanksgiving, to be a little bit more thankful, focus on contentment. To be a little bit more thankful, focus on being a blessing, and focus on eternity.